Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. But I want to talk about just being people of the presence, and we've been talking a lot, haven't we, about approaching the throne, about being in the presence of God. Have you felt in our worship times that there's been a greater sense of God's presence among us as we've worshipped over the last, consistently? There is, isn't there? There's a greater sense of God's presence. And, And when I talk about the presence of God, if I had to ask you to describe to somebody else, what is the presence of God? We talk about entering the presence of God, knowing the presence of God. How would you explain or describe that to somebody else? Paul Gandhi is straight up there. Peace? A sense of peace, a sense of love? Freedom? Joy? Belonging, knowing you belong there? Purpose? Louise? Closeness and an intimacy. Is God everywhere? Is God omnipresent? Is there anywhere God isn't? No. And yet we talk about the presence of God. But what we're describing there is something of a greater sense of intimacy and closeness where we just can sense, God, I know you're everywhere, but right now you're here in a special way. And I can sense you being present. You know, there are lots of descriptions in the Bible of God being present and revealing his presence. And at times it might be that he appears in a cloud. So the people of God are standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up into this great dark cloud with lightning flashing and thunder rumbling. There was no question that on the top of that mountain, God was present. Manifestly present. When the disciples were gathered together in the upper room in Acts 2, and there's a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire appeared on their head, nobody was saying, is God here? God was evidently present among his people. When the church is praying in Acts 4 and they pray for boldness and the building begins to shake, God's presence is evident among them. When Paul and Silas are in prison and all of a sudden they're worshipping God and the, 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 the dungeon begins to shake and the walls shake and the doors fling open and chains fall off, again, everybody knew God is present in this place. And sometimes there are things that we might see to reveal God's manifest presence. Sometimes there's a smell or a scent people describe of a sweet fragrance in the air that that they just feel this is God being present. Have you ever felt at times like a crackling in the atmosphere or the air? You just feel, God, you're here in a special way. I love those times. You might hear him speak or you might hear angelic singing or you might just have a sense in your spirit. None of those things might, might be apparent, but you just know in your spirit, God, you're close in a special way right now. Those are precious times, aren't they? Really precious times. And, and you know, when we talk about coming into the presence, it's not so that we, we get our kind of boost for the week and our high on a Sunday that kind of carries us through the rest of the week. Thank you for my God buzz. That should get me through till Friday or Saturday at least. You know, we are encouraged, we are refreshed, we are blessed, it is exciting, but it's all about meeting with the living God. It's all about an encounter 
with the Ancient of Days, the, the Lord of the hosts of heaven's armies, the Eternal One, the One who, who was and is and is to come, Yahweh. Meeting Him, standing before Him, seeing Him, hearing Him, and as a result, being changed in ourselves because we've had an encounter with the living God, because we've seen Jesus enthroned in glory. Amen. You don't get those glimpses and not be changed. You don't get those glimpses and not love him and want to worship him and give him thanks and praise. It's a wonderful, wonderful virtuous circle. And you know, oftentimes we think about God's presence coming down and descending among us. Here we are in Sony Santon. It's a little bit, you know, sort of sea level, so God has to come a little bit lower than normal. And down he comes. And, and of course, God does presence himself like that. But, but I want to encourage us today to, see, to, to, to do this, for us to go into his presence together. Not to wait for God to come to us. If you understand what I'm saying by this. But for us to say, we're going into his presence. We're entering into his presence. So let's have a little look at Hebrews 10, please. Hebrews 10, 19. So we can put that up on, oh, they nearly is on it. Like a car bonnet. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love that portion of scripture. I love it. I love the way that the, the writer to the Hebrews is, is encouraging the believers. He's encouraging us, or she's encouraging us, whoever wrote this book. But the emphasis is not about just me entering into the presence of God, the most holy place, or you individually entering. But if you put the next slide up, look at the emphasis. Brothers and sisters, we, yes. not you. We can enter heaven's most holy place. And since we, not you, we have a great high priest, let us go right into the presence of God. For our guilty consciences have been washed and sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies. Let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm. Let us think of, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. Can you see the plurality there? Yeah. That this is more than him writing to an individual, this is writing to a people, and he's writing to a people of the presence. That's who we are. Have a little look around the room right now. You're sitting with people of the presence. Okay? And he says this, we can boldly enter Boldly enter. It means we can enter with confidence. It means we can enter with assurance. It means we can enter fearlessly. It means we can enter openly. We don't sneak in. It means we can enter cheerfully. And it also means this. It means we have in that place a freedom to speak. 
Have you ever been in a formal meeting or a situation and you kind of, or in school, before you say anything, what do you have to do? And then it's permission to speak, Jones. The presence of God is not like that. And in fact, God wants us to be those who speak out constantly. It's great to hear this morning. When Russ prayed, were you stirred? Were you encouraged? It led us further into the presence of God. Why? Because somebody stood up on behalf of us and spoke out and prayed something that represented our hearts. And Russ knew, I've got a freedom to speak here. In fact, there was a need for, a, for prayer at that point. And Nathan sensibly left space for us, and Russ sensitively prayed on our behalf. And all of a sudden, woof, we went up, didn't we? We moved forward into the presence of God. Confident, boldness. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us, again, he's not giving up on the plurality of this. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Chris shared on this verse a little while ago. It wasn't that long ago. And he talked about receiving mercy and finding grace. But you notice the process. We come boldly and then we receive mercy and find grace. Far too often, I'm trying to receive mercy and find grace before then I feel like I can boldly enter. But actually, the the writer says, it's it's not based on what you've done. The only reason you're able to get in there is because a mission has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because you've done well or been good or even sorted stuff out. You know, the best place to sort stuff out where you'll get best sorted is in the presence of God. Why would you try and get washed before you get in the shower? You just come. And you come on the basis of Christ. And in that place, you see the holiness of God. You see the majesty of Jesus Christ. And if there's stuff that needs to fall away, if mercy needs to come and if grace needs to come, that's where we receive it. That's where we find it. We can boldly enter. We don't enter brashly or, 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 or brazenly in a sense. You know, we're not disrespectful in that way. We don't, we're not reserved or restrained, and we're certainly not indifferent or insensitive, but we just come with thankful hearts right into the presence of God together. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Now, if you've got to describe what the presence of God is like, what does the writer to the Hebrews mean when he says, heaven's most holy place? What do you think about when you read those words? Where are they referring to? I mean, if we're going in there, we can boldly get in there. What are we getting into? <laughs> Talks about in heaven, there's a, a most holy place. If you turn back to Hebrews 8 and 9. See, the writer to the Hebrews is, is, is his letter, her letter, is all, all about basically saying this. Great, Jesus is the greatest. He's the greatest messenger. He's greater than any prophet or angel that's preceded him. He's the greatest leader. He's greater than Moses, and he's greater than Joshua, and he's greater than David. He's the greatest greatest covenant maker and keeper. He's greater even than the covenant that was made in Abraham. He's the greatest priest. He's greater even than Aaron because he comes from the line of Melchizedek. And he's he's the greatest sacrifice. No other sacrifices are needed. He's basically saying, don't settle for anything less than the greatest, and that's Jesus and everything that he's done. And so in this bit, there's this wonderfully mysterious thing in in, in Hebrews 8, verse 1. 
Here is the main point. I love it when somebody says that, because then you can like concentrate, can't you? Here's the main point. That's a really substantial statement. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. Now, that's, that's an amazing thought, isn't it? We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven, and there he ministers, where? In a heavenly tabernacle. The true place of worship, listen to this, that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. In heaven, there's a tabernacle that's been made by the Lord. And when Moses went up the mountain, Mount Sinai, and you read about this in Exodus, and he receives a pattern, he receives a blueprint for building a tent in which God was going to presence himself among his people, God didn't give him a lot of instructions in the way that you might see it in a manual. He saw a heavenly vision of a tabernacle made in heaven by the Lord. And God says, Moses, have a look around. Stride it out. Get your stone tablets out. We're going to make some notes. Here's the tabernacle. This was made by me. Now, I want you to go back down the mountain, and I want you to build that on earth. And it's in that place. Once that's ready and prepared, I'm going to presence myself among my people, because that's always been God's heart, as Mike said. God always desires to be present among his people. What has separated us from being in God's presence? Sin. What was the tabernacle all about? Dealing with sin, dealing with all of those aspects so that the people of God could be uh, a people where God could presence himself in their midst. And it was a temporary measure, but it did something and it revealed God's heart. And so Moses goes up and he sees this incredible tabernacle, this wonderful, beautiful, amazing marquee. And then he goes and he comes back down and he starts to make the tabernacle. Verse 5 says, They only serve a system of worship that's only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. This is verse 5 of of chapter 8. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. You know, God doesn't want us to do anything on earth that he hasn't revealed to us in heaven. Everything that God is building, how the church is to be, is, must never be measured on, on man-made ways, but it has to be based on what God says. God is building his church. God is extending his kingdom. He's revealed to us a heavenly perspective. That's why we need apostolic ministry. That's why we need prophetic ministry, because they get insights and revelation of Christ and his church. And then the people, we capture that vision, and we're like, we're with you. The songs that we sang today may not have been my favorite, I might not have seen, had my favorite guitarist up, or I might prefer a different drummer. And the coffee, maybe it wasn't quite as great. Well, we, we've addressed that today. We've started to make the coffee a bit better again. <laughs> or maybe certain things and certain aspects of the style weren't quite there, but I've caught something of the vision of what is happening in heaven. It's being outworked in earth. I'm getting behind this. That's what the church is. That's what we're here for. We've seen something. We've, we're with those who've seen something. We're saying, I'm inspired by what you're building. I'm behind you 100%. Amen. And that's what God says. Don't do anything other than what I've shown you in heaven. And then in Hebrews 9, it goes on to say that there's this tabernacle and talks about what's in the outer court and it talks about what's in the, the holy place and then in the most holy place. So if we could have a little... So there's our... Tabernacle. It was a windy day, so the sides have been blown off, which is really helpful for this photograph that was taken by a drone um, around about 1500 BC. 
But you can see there that the outer courts are marked out with these curtains, and then you've got the, the bronze altar and the bronze laver where the, the priests would offer sacrifices and do their ceremonial washing. And then they would come through the first curtain into the holy place. And in there with the candlesticks, the golden candlesticks, the, the table of the presence of God that was golden with loaves of bread on it, and the golden incense altar where scented incense was burned that God had given a special provision for. And then there's another curtain. And that curtain then covered the entrance into the most holy place. So the first two-thirds of the tabernacle is the holy place. And then the final third, this, this, this kind of special area that was particularly holy, if you like, where God was present in a, in a tangible, powerful, wonderful way. It's like it was God's footstool. It's where he'd rest his legs. On the mercy seat, on the cherubim that sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And that his legs would either appear by, as, as a pillar of cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night. And there was no question God is present among his people. Just have a look towards the tabernacle. Do you know what? When the people look at the church, they should say this. There's no question that God is present among his people. There's something about this people that's, just, that's different. Other nations, can you imagine them sneaking and having a look at the Israelite camp? And they're all arranged around this, 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 this tent. And in the middle is this pillar of fire that's... <laughs> all the way through the night or all the way through the day. It's difficult to do a, a cloud impression, right? <laughs> but there's the most holy place. And then the, the writer to the Hebrews, in Hebrews 9, verse 4, he tells us, all, tells us all about what's there. In the room, there was a gold incense altar. Now, people have questioned that because the, the incense altar was sat outside, but it seems that the incense altar... Um, and what it represented was always meant to be carried into the most holy place. And in fact, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would take the coals from the altar with some of the fragrance and enter into the most holy place with the coals that were burning from the incense altar. But this is the key. And then there was a wooden chest, just a, a box made of acacia wood that was then covered in gold on all sides. And it says inside the ark. Let's have a peep inside the ark. So normally the, the, the high priests weren't allowed to take their phones into the most holy place, but this one snuck in, took a quick shot, and just threw it out before he was struck now. But it says this, inside the ark. Now the writer to the Hebrews is referring to this. This was described for us in Exodus. This was described for us, aspects of this in Numbers. But he's choosing here to, to remind us of these things. So when this happens, as Chris said, there must be a reason for that, a purpose for this. It says, inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna. You see that on the top right there? The lid's off. But that's the manna before it had been ground and prepared to make the bread. Aaron's staff that sprouted. And it sprouted blossom leaves and flowers and almonds. And uh, the stone tablets of the covenant. And then above the ark, if you just put the next slide up, with the cherubim, with their wings cast over where God's presence would rest on the mercy seat. You go back to the previous slide, please, Neil. You know, when we come into the most holy place, all of these physical things have spiritual significance for us today. So that as we come, we can expect to have access and, and receive the benefits of these things. So it means that as I come into the presence of God, there's manna for me. There's bread there's sustenance for you. There's sustenance for us. The thing about manna was you had to get it every day. And if you tried to keep it overnight, it went horribly rotten and, and maggoty. 
Okay? There's something about constantly needing, isn't there, to draw on God and to come into his presence together. It's a regular thing. We have to maintain this regularity of doing it. And as we do, there's sustenance for it. When this stuff appeared on the ground, you can see it's like little pods. And they had to take and collect that. They had to crush it up. They had to mix it. And then they had to bake it before they ate it. They required some work. But God wants us to know that in his presence, there's sustenance for us. There's food for us. There's things in there that are going to give us strength. There's things in there that are going to build us up and enable us to be strong together. Also, Aaron's staff. This was just a lump of wood. This was the same staff. that It was Aaron, actually, that, that turned the water to blood in the River Nile with his staff. It was Aaron's staff that changed into a snake and gobbled up the snake of Pharaoh's other Egyptians. It was Aaron's staff that called upon the, the land of Egypt the plague of frogs and the plague of gnats. This was a a staff that represented the authority of God. But also this, there's life for us. Fresh life, there's abundance for us in the presence of God. That we can know authority and we can know life that's supernatural in the presence of God together. Sustenance, life. And then the stone tablets, we can receive guidance and direction in the presence of God. Wisdom and understanding and insight. And in that place, the cherubim. If you put the next slide up, please. When you read in in Genesis, after Adam and Eve have sinned and fallen, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, which was a place where um, Adam and Eve could be in the presence of God, unhindered by sin. And all of a sudden, they sin, they fall, and they're separated from God. And who does God put in place at the gate of the Garden of Eden to keep them out? A cherubim with a big flaming sword, okay? Not a cherub with a little bow and arrow, but a big beefy cherubim okay and they weren't allowed to enter in and then you fast forward into Exodus and you just see God's heart and this time the cherubim aren't standing there with a sword saying keep out instead they're bent over and God is present in himself in that place you know God wants so wants to be present among us wants us to know his presence wants to know his closeness and we can have access into the most holy place where we can stand unhindered, unashamed, in total awe and appreciation. Why? Turn back to Hebrews 10, verse 20. Because by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. It's because of the work of Jesus. You know, stop trying to scrimp and save and pay for something that you could never afford in the first place when Jesus had already paid fully the cost and he's made it available to us. Sometimes we just got to come into the presence of God knowing this. Jesus, at this moment in time, I might feel weak. I might feel like I'm struggling. I might know that I've done some things that I, I shouldn't have. I might feel guilt. I might feel remorse. I might feel a sense of mourning. There might be all sorts of things going on. I might be full of life and excited and full of zeal. But none of those things are the basis for me being able to come into the presence of God. It's purely based on what you've done for me, Jesus. You've opened the way. It's your blood that washes me. It's the pure water that you wash me with that's cleansed me. And so therefore I come into your presence. Not only I come, we come. Because I know the basis on which I come is exactly the same basis that Richard Pemberton comes in. So no matter what Richard has said or done that I'm aware of, Jesus has paid the price. Each one of us has a right. Now, I'm not talking about being licentious and just doing what we want. Please understand that. But I'm just saying this. The basis for us coming into the presence of God, for you, for me, for all of us, 
is Jesus Christ. I don't see any other way. I don't see any other provision, and therefore never apply it to you or anybody else. It's just based on faith in the person, the work of Jesus Christ. And he's wonderful. It says, since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us. Let us. I just want to talk about four lettuces. If you could just skip to the next uh, couple of slides. Next one. Four lettuces, okay? <laughs> Spinach, little gem, iceberg, lolaroso. I don't know. I just started listing lettuces. But you know, in, in the New Living Translation, there are there, in the light of these things, there are four lettuces. Can you say four lettuces, please? Four lettuces. Four times the writer says, let us. In the light of this, let us. Okay? So every time you see somebody, think of lettuce. <laughs> Maybe not cabbage, but ro- rocket or... Rocket's a good one. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm, I digress. <laughs> could, we, could we show the video? There's just something I want to... Has anybody heard of a wolf run? Wolf run? Just... Let's see if I can just... A wolf run? No? Oh! Tony Ryan likes that. A little thumbs up from Tony there. Basically, I'm stalling while Neil gets this up because we didn't get this prepared before. So we're having to... But the wolf run. So I want to, to look at this. And, and the wolf run means this. It means woods, obstacles, lakes, and fields. It's a 10K obstacle course. And you run it as a team. Okay? And there's just a few things I want to take from this in us applying some principles into how we can enter into the most holy place together. Are you ready, Neil? But what I love about that is there are things in there that I just think... I, I did a wolf run with, with a group of people, and um, Stu Wright has organized some of them and some of the other guys, but you enter something together, and you know we're going to start this together, and we're going to finish this together. And we know we're going to face all sorts of different obstacles or situations or different things. And some of those things you're going to be strong in, and some of those things I'm going to be strong in. Some of those things you might be weak in, some of those things I might be weak in. But where I might be a bit weak or struggle, you're going to help me. And where you might be weak or struggle, I'm going to help you. Why? Because we're in this together. We're we're, we're moving forward together. We're going to finish this together. We're going to run this as a team. And you know what? When we come into the presence of God, God doesn't put any obstacles in our way. Please understand that. And you finish um, being in the presence of God very different to how you finish a wolf run, okay? <laughs> Much cleaner once you've been in the presence. But do you understand that sense of togetherness, of how we're to enter into the presence of God together, and the importance, therefore, that you have to play in all of us coming into and experiencing the powerful, awesome, majestic presence of God. All of us have a part to play. The lake part for me was horrendous because I'm a rubbish swimmer. I don't do lengths, I do depths. I've said that before. <laughs> but I had people alongside me who encouraged me doing that part. Other parts, I was stronger and I was able to help them. But in all of these things, God wants us to, to be those that see our, the importance of doing these things together. And he starts off by saying in verse 22, let us go right in. Let us draw near. Let us go right into the presence of God. What does that mean? It means all of us are all in. Let us go right in. 
When he says that, do you know what that means? It means that you cannot go right in. It means you can linger out here a little bit. It talks about the river in Ezekiel, and you can kind of go ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, or just start swimming. And God says, is inviting us all to come right into his presence. There's something about the warfare, and if somebody's hindered or if they're they're not willing to do it, you can't do it as a team. Something is missing. Something is lacking. And so then when we gather together, that we, all of us, are all in to coming right into the presence of God. Because actually, your willingness to do that will impact what happens in the gathering. It's not to put pressure on you. That's to say, that's a wonderful thing. Because if I'm all in... And if you're all in and we're all in, then God's presence, we, we come in right into God's presence. We draw really close to him. Isn't that wonderful? And so I want to encourage each one of us, when we talk about coming into the presence of God, be brave. There are cargo nets that look quite high or lakes that look a little bit long or there are certain things, obstacles that you might see that are in your way. Trust me, the only obstacles we have are the ones that we put in there or the enemy tries to put in there. None of them are put by God. And he wants us to be brave and to be bold and to go right in. To not be held back by ourselves or the enemy or anything else, but to come right into the presence of God. And so as we come into the presence of God together, as we come into the most holy place together, Let me just say this, please don't hold back. In fact, I just want to pray right now for each one of us because there might be a number of reasons that hold us back. Sometimes it's because of guilt or sin or or just where we feel we're at because of challenges that we're facing. Sometimes, to be totally honest, it's just apathy and an unwillingness. God wants to address that. Sometimes it's a bit of a fear of the unknown. If I let go, if I go right in, what will happen? But we're talking about being the presence of our Father. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for each one of us. Lord, we don't want to hold anything back from you. Anything in our lives right now that's holding us back, we lay them down. We cast them off. And we say, Lord, when we come into your presence together, we want to come all in, Lord that all of us come right into your presence together. And if there's sin, Lord, we repent right now. If there's apathy, Lord, we shake it off right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give us fresh faith, a fresh desire, and a fresh revelation of the wonderful presence, Lord, that you've invited us to enjoy together. Amen. Let us come right in. Don't hold back. Secondly, this, let us hold tight Verse 23, let us hold tight without wavering to the hope we affirm. Or other translations say this, let us hold fast to the confession that we have. What does that mean? It means that we have something that we're holding tight to that's truth, but God wants us to declare it. He wants us to speak it out. Has the Lord redeemed you, Psalm 107 says. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. That's what Psalm 107 says. God wants us to be people who are speaking constantly to to not um, hold back and also to not let go of the promises and to speak the promises over one another. Could I have two readers, please? Two people who are willing to stand and just read two scriptures, two verses over the church. Hillary and Tony. Great, thank you. Sorry if you raised your hand and I didn't pick you. I just went for those two. So, Hillary, if you could read Philippians 1.6. I was looking at you then like you were about to start reading. I hadn't given you the reference. I'm sorry about that. And uh, Tony, if you could turn up 2 Corinthians 3.18. Do the mic. All right. 
So Philippians 1.6, if you'd stand and... Being, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, could you read that, those words, over this group of people? Could you have a look at Hillary? She's going to declare this over you right now, okay? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Right, now over this, 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 this group needs here now. Mary, could you hold that for her and then I'll, I'll get out of the way a little bit because she needs to look at them as well. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The work that God began in you guys, he will carry it on to completion. Amen. And then Tony, where's Tony? I feel like bullseye now. Listen to Tony. If you stand up, Tony. 3.18, was it? I think we've already heard this one this morning. To, to this group over here. So if you have a look at this wonderful man. <laughs> We're all wonderful. Um, <clears throat> so, all of us who had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Amen. Can you read that over those guys? <clears throat> so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Amen. God is taking us from glory to glory. The work that he's begun in us, he will continue. God is taking you from glory to glory. You know, God wants us to speak these words over one another. Because sometimes you don't feel like that, do you? Sometimes you don't quite feel as glorious as you were yesterday. <laughs> Sometimes you, don't, you wonder if God's going to continue the work that he began in you because of your own mistakes or, or things that you, ways that you feel. And so therefore this, we speak it over one another, that we hold tightly to the confession that we have, that we, this is how we come into his presence together, that we don't hold back, that we don't let go of the promises. And then thirdly then, I love this one, we think of ways to motivate one another. That means we've really got to apply ourselves to thinking creatively about how we can motivate and stimulate and encourage one another. Isn't that brilliant? I love that. That means that God wants us to be creative. You know, when we gather together, I'm just going to list a few people who've blessed me recently in our gatherings. They've motivated me and they've stimulated me, okay? I've already talked about Russ's prayer this morning. That's Stimulated something in me. That motivated me, okay? Ewart's amens. When Ewart Crowther, that Yorkshire amen. Love it. It blesses me, okay? When I hear Fiona saying hallelujah from the back, I want to shout from the front, hallelujah! We'll have a hallelujah off. When Ethan Batson is, is playing, on, when he, when he, the way that he dances... In worship, it blesses me, it stimulates something in me, it encourages me. When I look across and I see the youth jumping up and down in worship, it stirs me, it, it motivates me. When uh, people move in gifts, when John uh, Russell comes forward and brings a tongue, or Stefan Rui comes and moves in a gift, or any one of us comes and, and brings testimony or contributes, it's I'm motivated. 
You want to look across during worship and Mary Elliot's just got this big beaming smile. When, when we're praying together and, and he's not here this morning, but Adam Hart's on to laugh when we pray. Just starts laughing because there's just joy in him. When I look around and I just see somebody totally raised arms in worship. Pauline Bennett's prayers. Eloise, she's not here, and others worship. Those are specific people, even over the last few weeks, you've helped me, you've stimulated something in me, you've motivated me to want to enter further into the most holy place. You know, your worship is not just for you. Your declaration is not just for you. It does something in you, but it does something for us as well. That's why we're so keen that we're all in, all together, not holding back understanding that we all have something to bring, holding fast to the truth, and not being quiet. Can I say this? If you're better at banter than you are at blessing, then you need to think differently. If you're more creative at being funny at putting somebody down than you are about actively building them up, then can I challenge you this morning? Don't think of ways to get the better of somebody or to get a laugh. Think of ways of how they're going to leave being with you feeling blessed and encouraged and built up. And if you're struggling for material, (laughs) ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, right now I'm struggling, okay? Standing opposite this person, and to be honest, I'm struggling. And the Holy Spirit says, well, the good thing is, I know them, I created them, and I'm very creative, so here's what you can say. And then you say, thank you, Holy Spirit, you got me out of a tight spot there. Think of ways. Think of ways. Before we gather together, don't, let's not just turn up cold. Let's turn up having thought of ways that I might encourage my Christian brother or sister to enter into the presence of God. What might I say to this person? What might I bring into the gathering? What verse might I read that's an exhortation that, that's really blessed me this week and I think this would be great for the church to hear. This will motivate. This will stimulate something. So I'm not holding back. I'm not letting go. And listen, I'm not being quiet. I'm going to speak out. And right now, actually, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would put somebody into our hearts, into our minds that we're going to encourage this morning over coffee. Have a little look around. Don't look at somebody too long in case they think that you're going to bless them and encourage them. (laughs) And they weren't the person after all, okay? Because it's the last thing we need. But there are people here in this room. Chris talk, uh, was it David talked last week about good works prepared for us in advance in Ephesians. Some of those good works will be you stimulating, motivating a Christian brother or sister because of what the Holy Spirit has given you to say to them. And it might not feel like anything to you, but to them, it's gold. Quote John Weewee, golden. Something that's really important, really precious. Can we do that over coffee when I stop talking? They're okay, which won't be long, don't worry. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. That's fantastic. I love that. Don't hold back. Don't let go. Don't be quiet. Let's go right in. Let's hold tightly to the hope we affirm. Let's motivate and think of ways to motivate one another to outbursts of love and good works. And then fourthly this, verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And that word encourage is the word parakleo. 
And if you know how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John, he describes him as the paraclete. That, what does that mean? It means I can be the one who comes alongside and encourages you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in me. And therefore, I'm kind of like an apprentice paracleo, a paraclete in training. Badge, Holy Spirit's there. And he's like, right, I want you to say this now, please. Paraclete in training. In turn, extraordinary. What can stop us meeting together? Preacher talking too long. That's why I'm going to stop in a minute. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest things. You know, God wants us to do business with him in his presence. And that comes when we gather together. One of the biggest things that stops us might get in the way is busyness. You know I like words. God wants us to, if, if being with God and his people, if you're not doing business with God and his people and you're being hindered because of busyness, then it's time that I took a look at why. I need to take a look at why because something needs to change, okay? And God wants us to prioritize, to not neglect, to make sure that in everything we're doing, the gathering together with God's people, and I'm not just talking about meetings here, talking about us being willing to spend time together, to enjoy eating together, fellowshipping together, encouraging one another, being together. You know, we have so many different ways to communicate, but actually the best way to, be to, to, to communicate is to be with somebody, isn't it? You know, I'm not this, this thing, WhatsApp or messaging or cards or letters or anything else, but just being together and knowing, I'm not going to neglect this. I'm not going to let go of this. This is important. I might feel tired. I might be busy. I might not really feel like it. Wales might be playing in the rugby. England might be playing football. There might be some top-level croquet on TV, but <laughs> I'm not going to neglect this. not going to neglect it. If I'm, not in the, if I'm not doing business with God and his people because of busyness, I must address why. Okay? Don't hold back. Don't let go. Don't be quiet. And don't give up. Can we stand together, please? If we could get the children back in, actually, it would be good in a moment. I just, I'll pray first, if that's okay. And, and then um, we'll invite the children in because we'll just got a few things to give out to the dads. You know, in everything that I've shared this morning, I don't want any of it to be condemnatory. I don't want it to, for anybody to be put down or feel like I'm... Yeah. All of these things are things that we can aspire to together. And all of these things are in the Word for us to apply together. And God wants to understand the importance of our corporateness and our togetherness in ex- experiencing and encountering Him in wonderful and precious ways. There are ways that we will meet with God when we've gathered with God's people that will surpass every other way. I'll just ask you to close your eyes for a moment, please. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have made a way. You've made the way for us to be able to come into the presence of God. You've opened the curtain, Lord. 
You've cleansed us and washed us. You're the ultimate sacrifice. You're the great high priest who presides over God's house, Lord. We're your house this morning. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that we are welcome into the most holy place. I thank you that we are invited into the presence of God together, Lord. That each one of us in this room today is invited, Lord. But Lord, you've invited us not just individually, but corporately, Lord. And Lord, this morning I pray that for each one of us we'd be stirred afresh to play our part, Lord, to, to be part of this team, Lord, that is here to not just begin but to finish, Lord, the work that you've called us to. That, Lord God, that we will encourage one another. That, Lord, if one of us, if we notice that one is struggling, that we'll come alongside them and help them, Lord. That if somebody is running strongly, we'll shout words of encouragement, Lord, to keep them going in their faith, Lord. The Lord, Holy Spirit, that you'd give us creative words and insights and encouragements that will cause each one of us to be strengthened and built up and spurred on to love and good works so that, Lord, we come into your presence together, we encounter you, we see you afresh, we're changed, Lord God, and we leave your presence together and impact the world around us, Lord, for your glory. Lord, I want to thank you for each person in this room right now this morning, Lord, and I thank you that you've brought us together for purpose that we're not here by chance, but you've brought us together for purpose and that you've brought us together to be together, Lord, to encourage one another, to spur one another on. I pray, Lord, that as we break and, and have tea and coffee together, that, Lord, you'd help us to speak words of life to one another this morning, that you'd help us to go and speak to people that we've not maybe spoken to before, but in doing so, we'll encourage them and bless them, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would deepen our relationships with one another. That you would just be present in our fellowship. That there would be a richness among us, Lord, that blesses your heart. Lord, nothing does your heart more good, Lord, than seeing your family get on. Seeing your family gathered in your presence, Lord. And so, Lord, I just speak a blessing over each person here in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I ask that you'd bless these next minutes, Lord, and this this next time together. I pray that next time we gather, whether it's in life groups or whether it's over coffee or in a home or whether it's here on Sunday, that, Lord, that we would come together into your presence and that, Lord, all of us would be all in. That all of us, Lord, would come boldly. That, Lord, that we'd hold tight to the hope that we affirm. That we'd motivate one another, Lord. And that, Lord, that we would not neglect our meeting together. Jesus, we love you. And we honor you and we thank you. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.